0: Like that. that's right he was there with you're the listening dog. to oh, all the king's men the official podcast of the los angeles kings however the views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and other contributors they do not necessarily represent those of the los angeles kings
2: now here's your host jesse cohen Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. We are one month away from the World Cup of Hockey and the Open of NHL training camps, you guys. That's four weeks. That's only, what, 28 sleeps. Uh, I hope the podcast has helped you all hockey sane and the insanity of the hockey-less months. And I hope you subscribe to the podcast because, as I keep telling you guys, it is the only way to make sure that you never miss an episode. I also hope that you rate and review the podcast. I know loads of you have. I can see them all. I read them all. And I, I love all of them. Um, I also hope that you tell any other Kings fans in your life that don't listen to the podcast that they should start listening. Uh, Recently in our 50 Kings series, we spoke to the overtime hero from the frenzy on Figueroa, Eric Belanger, and today we're talking to the man who kept that game going long enough for him to score in overtime, the goalie. Uh, I'm sure you've all done it by now, but go ahead and watch the Frenzy on Figueroa highlights while you listen to this episode. They're all on YouTube. They're amazing. Uh, So here's our conversation with Felix Potvin. New Dave. As the Kings continue to celebrate our
0: 50th anniversary, our 50 Kings series continues at LAKings.com. And our guest this week played for the Kings from 2000 to 2003. Had a couple of uh, good playoff runs in there, Jesse. One or is two. You could say, yeah, one or two. He's from Anjou, Quebec. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. None other than the cat, Felix Potvin. Felix, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it.
1: No problem, guys. How are you?
0: We're doing great, Jesse. I don't know if you want to take the front. I'm sure you have a million questions yeah, for Felix, so I'll let you kick it off. <laughs> I've got a million of my own, but go right ahead.
2: Uh, Felix, uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, this is Jesse, by the way. Um, so I guess my first question is, you came in to L.A. Obviously, Kings fans knew you from your time in the league, but I've never seen a player come in and become as popular as fast as you did. The fans loved you. There were, you know, Felix the Cat dolls in the crowds. There were pop band jerseys in the stands. And I'm wondering if you were aware uh, of how quickly you became so beloved in LA when you were here.
1: Well, it, it was it was a it was a very special situation. I remember uh, it all happened so quick uh, near the, near the trade deadline near the trade deadline. I got uh, I got dealt to LA from Vancouver, and uh, I know I know the Kings were out of the playoff spot at the time, and. Um, I don't have the exact number, but I know I remember playing uh, quite a bit of, of the game in a row, and and we were able to, to climb our way back in the in the playoff, which uh, was pretty uh, spectacular. I think it happened at the last game or or second the last game, and uh, uh, you know after that, but the, the playoff run we had that year was uh, was pretty amazing. So. Uh, uh, I think I think it was a mix of of, of all kinds of different things coming together. Uh, uh, myself getting there, but I remember Adam Miller and Adam Denmars got there basically at the same time, and and uh, everything gelled pretty quick, which is uh, pretty rare in a, in a hockey team that that you make changes like that, and and uh, yeah, it it guys gel together and help you uh, have a good run.
2: You mentioned the Rob Blake trade that happened about a week after you were acquired. Um, for Kings fans, can you describe what the mood was like in the locker room and in the franchise at following that trade? I mean, that was a pretty tumultuous time in the franchise's history.
1: Yeah, but it, it, again, for me, it was a bit different because I just got there. I know Rob was such a big, uh, uh, a, a big player in, in, in the Kings franchise, and um, you know, it was it was a big, uh, I'm sure it was a big blow to the franchise. But, but since it worked out pretty good for for both. Uh, you know, for both franchises, uh, I, I think it turned out pretty good. I think I think people might uh might might have dealt with it uh, a bit better since since we were able to have a good run in the playoffs. But uh, you know, you know, you know, in order to make a trade, you always have to give a lot to to, to receive a lot, and and it was a trade that, that worked for both uh, both sides. But I'm sure at the time it was a uh, pretty shocking for the for the early LA, uh, LA Kings fans.
2: You mentioned the playoff run. That was the first round upset of Detroit Red Wings. We talked to Eric Belanger recently uh, about his overtime goal in game four and and ultimately winning the series in game six. You were on the opposite end of the rink for for that overtime goal and maybe would have shouldered too much of the blame had the series been a loss. But the series was a win, and so the glory goes to the guys who score those overtime game winners. But you played just as huge a role. Uh, Did you feel – confident you know in in the later moments of that third period in game three when detroit had that three nothing lead and and how do you prepare yourself you know to lead your team to a comeback like that
1: um you you always believe in your team i think your job is is whether as a goalie whether it's one nothing two nothing three nothing is not to give the next one that uh, might hurt the team and and we were able to uh To climb our way back, but you know, at that time, I think we were already down two nothing in the series. We were able to uh, uh, to 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 win game three, game four, game five. So we we certainly have some kind of a lot of confidence uh, behind us, and and uh, it was all uh, a team thing. I think everybody was chipping away, chipping away, and it's just a matter of getting the first one, and then after you can felt that the ball got rolling, and uh, certainly when, when that overtime goal got, went in, it was, a, it, was a, it was just a great moment.
2: In the following series against the Colorado Avalanche, you posted shutouts in game back to back playoff shutouts in Game Five and Game Six. I was at Game Six; it was a double overtime game. Glenn Murray scores to win it. It was one of the most uh, intense games I've ever been in. Uh, how how I mean, it's a silly question, but how difficult is it to to put up back-to-back shutouts in the playoffs against the team like that was Colorado Avalanche, who ultimately went on to win the Stanley Cup.
1: Well, I mean, you think it'd be hard to pull to them, but but you, you don't, I didn't really have a, a lot of choice to to, to play there because Patrick was playing on the other side; he wasn't giving them whole lot either. So it, it, it you know they were going to be tight games, and then they had the situation teams was playing good. My job was to. Uh, Giving them a chance to win, and I always said throughout my career, the only shutout that matters were the one nothing ones. <laughs> I guess uh, they they came at the right time, so it was certainly a, a two two game that that stuck in my mind for uh, for, for my whole career as as two uh, two great not only two great game, but that came at a very important moment. Um.
2: You not only played in those huge series for the LA Kings, but you played in a huge series against the LA Kings earlier in your career. Uh, In the seven-game series, I think before LA played Chicago in 2014, I think the other best Western Conference final, although it wasn't the Western Conference at the time, but was uh, the LA Kings versus the Toronto Maple Leafs in 1993. Uh, What difference did you see just in the city of LA as a hockey market between, you know, from when you played against them in 93 to when you played for them in the early
1: 2000s? It's kind of hard for me to compare because in 93 we were really stuck into the, uh, you know, one one win and win to uh, to go to the the Stanley Cup, but it's certainly a different market. That's certainly something that that I learned when I moved to LA, how much did the the crowd appreciate the game and and, and, and that they're real good fans down there, you know. I've always been asked how it was to play in LA, and I always said that the fans were great. were behind their team. were are supporting their team, and there's such a great, uh, great atmosphere in the arena that, that uh, I really enjoy that. But, but 93 was special too because you know they move on. They, they were in the semi-final. They move on to the Stanley Cup final. So uh, it was uh, two uh, for me. It was. Uh, one one year was a little bit better memory than the other one because because of the <laughs> ending and uh, ninety three was heartbroken, but uh, both year were heartbroken. But uh, you know, it was uh, at the same time. I really enjoyed those uh, those early times.
2: I have to ask: Should Wayne Gretzky have gotten a penalty for high sticking uh, Doug Gilmore in that game?
1: Well, if you. You listen to the the phrase, to Gary Fraser. He says yes. So, uh, we always always have to believe the referee, but uh, it's certainly hard. I, you know, it is a hockey play, but it's 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 hard to watch it on a on the replay where where you see ice sticking. But you know, things go around and it happens on both sides. It's just hard few years after that to, to watch it again.
2: Uh- When you played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, at one point in your career, you set a record. It was it has been eclipsed by Roberto Luongo, but at the time, you set a record for most shots faced in a season, with two thousand four hundred and thirty eight. That is a ton of shots. Uh, Do you prefer seeing more? There's lots of players, you know, like Jonathan Quick, notoriously enjoys uh, seeing more shots than fewer. Do you prefer to see more shots in a game or less?
1: Well, I think it's easier to, to. I mean, it's easier to stay in the game, but it's something that, that throughout your career, you learn to deal with. Uh, uh, with, with focusing, uh, of course, it's it's never a good sign when you face the most shot in the year because obviously uh, uh, the team might be uh, a bit struggling and it might be uh, the, the win might be hard to come by. But uh, as a goalie, yes, it's 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 fun to be busy. It's fun. To, it's fun to have shots and. Uh, uh, that that's why that's why we, we do this position is to get busy now. The game has changed a bit. The shots are not uh, uh, they, they might not be a, a higher than, than than they were. But uh, I I certainly didn't have a problem with uh, facing a lot of shots.
0: Felix, before you came to Los Angeles, what were your impressions of the of the LA hockey market, and did they change once you got here and and actually played for the team?
1: Sorry, guys, I didn't. Uh, I didn't hear that. What What were
0: your impressions of the LA hockey market before you actually came to play for the Kings, and then did they change once you got here?
1: Um. Y- yes. I didn't. Uh, well, it's, it's always fun plays that when when you're on the road, team, you like playing in LA because you know you, you spend a couple days there and, and then you play a game. But uh, you never know what it is with, with the fan base and everything. But but my time there was just. Uh, really nice. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it at the setting. I like I said, I enjoyed the fan, I enjoyed the the market and uh, uh I tell everyone that, that after that 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 has been asking me what, what the market like. it's it's a really good uh, good hockey market. It's a place that, that is fun to play. It's a place that fans uh, care about their team and uh, you know yes my uh I wasn't surprised but uh it was, uh, it was certainly uh, something nice to, to, to be part of.
0: I'm sure you played in a lot of loud buildings, uh, Maple Leaf Gardens being one of them. But when you guys beat Detroit, and the roof nearly blew off of Staples Center, I was there, along with 18,000 others. <laughs> I, I hate to sound cliche, but have you ever heard a building that loud before? I remember the place. It was like it was going to explode. Is that, do you have that same memory or a similar recollection?
1: Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty amazing. Not not only that last game that whole series. I remember, uh, uh, I remember everybody dressed in black, and uh, that that might have been a bit tougher for the goalie because he kind of <laughs> lose track of the puck once in a while. But uh, uh, when 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 that when we scored that goal, it was uh, it was it was certainly the, the loudest uh, the loudest cheer I heard in uh, in my career. Like uh, it was a, it was a big goal. Everybody at the building erupted at the same time and. Uh, you know, you, you don't forget stuff like that uh, even years after. It's always something that's in your memory.
2: It's funny that you mention the puck getting lost in the background of the crowd. I mean, I think that's something that fans don't ever really think about. Do you, as a player, did you ever feel comfortable uh, going to management or to the coaching staff and and commenting about whether it's the paint of the ice at center ice or ads on the boards or Anything like that to help you do your job better?
1: Nah, not really, because usually they, they they take care of it pretty good. And, and you know, it, actually, it wasn't. You know, if, if, if it was hard for me, it was the same thing for the other goalie at that time. And I thought it was a pretty good idea, a pretty cool idea to uh, to. I think they called it the blackout or something at that time. So it was uh, it was pretty neat. It was something special, and uh, you know, it worked out both ways. So uh, it worked out better for us at, at that time.
2: Lots of conversations have been going on. It feels like for 20 years at least about what to do to increase scoring, and a lot of it comes down to either making the nets bigger or shrinking the goalie equipment. As a goalie, what do you think about either of those plans?
1: Um, I'm I'm kind of a more uh, more of the old old school guy. I think you know it's, it's it's really tough. I I really have a hard time when we temper too much with the game. I think one of the uh, you know, one of the oldest game in the world is this probably European football or soccer, if you call it. And 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 I, you know, like people in Europe seem to enjoy a lot those those nothing nothing or one nothing games. So I think you look at the playoffs, There's a lot of uh, uh, exciting games that that are tight score, low scoring game that that every goals matter. I think uh, you know, I don't think the game would be the same if it finished seven two or six one or or eight four or eight seven. I think. Uh, you know, I think when you temper with the, with the goalie equipment, it, it might get dangerous at a time. I think that the, the, the players take, continue to get better. Guys, uh, I remember when I first started in the league, uh, you had one or two guys that could really shoot the puck. Now you don't even know I have one or two guys that can't shoot it. So, uh, you know, everything changed a lot. So I'm not, I'm not you know, a little change is good, but not too much, I think.
2: Is there a goalie in the league today that you really enjoy watching?
1: Oh, i enjoyed a lot of goalie, I think. I think the game has changed so much that all the team has a lot of good goalie. There's a good mix or different kind of goalie, I think, you know
0: that's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW, void We're prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, Quid done, done a tremendous job. But uh, Carey Price in Montreal is a good goalie. I think I think everything's got one, and then sometimes two now. So uh, um, you know, I just I just look at it as more as a fan right now, and I, I think there's a lot of uh, of guys that are fun to look at.
0: Come on, though, Felix, your numbers would have been so much better if you had the catching gloves that these guys are wearing today. Yours was nothing compared to the size of the... It's like a bread basket they got in their hands. Am I wrong?
1: Uh, no, yeah, you know, we were we were a little smaller in the net, that's for sure. When I look at uh, the equipment that, that I kept once in a while here, and then and I take it out once in a while, it's uh, there's a big difference, but uh, again, you know, I... have. Things change, and, uh, you know, guys are good. They're all good athletes now uh, that are playing goal, and uh, uh, it's fun to see these guys play.
0: How did you get the idea for your mask? Your mask is so legendary. It wasn't – was it the start of really goalies' painting? I mean, yours yours was the first iconic mask, at least for me, that I can remember where I said – That's cool. Like, that makes it cool to be a goaltender. Where did the... What's the genesis behind your mask? Where did that come from?
1: Well, it just first started in Toronto. Uh, Greg Harrison was painting my mask. And at the time, uh, you know, the nickname Felix the Cat came around. And I didn't want to... You know, I didn't like the big uh, airbrush and everything paint job. So, it was just... uh, Greg had just had this idea that that there's the the, the cat play in, in Toronto. And that was on... Kind of like uh, on the on the sign there, the, the whiskers and everything with, with the highs and the, without looking too much like a like a cartoon. And uh, I just enjoyed the the basic design of the the sticking out. And uh, every time I I got traded, I kind of like added something from maybe the city. Like I think when I was in LA, it was the crown on, on the side. So uh, I just uh, I just kept going with the same uh, idea all the time.
2: One of the things I love about that is, as you mentioned, that every city you went to it was the same basic design with tiny uh, design flourishes to represent each city. Uh, Jonathan Quick does the same thing every time he does his mask; it's basically the same, you know, format with with little changes. Do you uh, <laughs> do you have a, a uh, Did you have a say in designing it? I mean, did you go in and talk to an artist? I know you have a. a a lot of tattoos, for example. I'm curious if it taps into the same personal expression.
1: Uh, no, like I said, it's, it started with the, the basic first ID, and it was kind of like uh, something that I really like. I really like the color, the, the paint's looking out. And uh, Greg Harrison always painted my mask, so we were just kept in touch all the time. And, I, you know, we were just changing ID, and, and uh, we, we always came up. With uh, with something pretty good.
2: Uh, I mentioned the tattoos. How many are you up to now?
1: Well, I don't know. Stop. (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) add on, add on, and add on. But it's been a while since I got one. So uh, these uh, these are something that uh, that that I really enjoy. That that was part of uh, you know when I was young. That enjoyed that that kind of like uh, music, and uh, it's just something that stuck up, uh, stuck with me. So. I uh, have quite a
2: few. I read an interview where you de- described yourself as uh, punk rock. Uh, was there a, a band or a song that you liked to listen to to get ready for a game?
1: Well, like I said, I, I grew up listening when I was 14, 15, 16, 17 to the punk rock music and I've always... Uh, I always kept listening to that and uh, you know, one of uh, one of the bands that I really enjoy was social distortion. Yeah! Know, right? There you it, go. It yeah. was uh <laughs> it was pretty cool at the time where uh, you know, my Mike came to a couple game, I went to a couple of concerts. So now every time they come in Montreal we kinda of keep in touch and uh, you know, they're always been uh, my band.
2: A Southern California band. Did you did you Playing in LA, were you able to meet any uh, musicians or celebrities that you had admired as a as a kid?
1: Uh, well, once once in a while, but but like I said, you know, I was able to. We did a feature in a magazine, uh, King magazine at the time, and uh, I think I mentioned uh, Social D, uh, being my uh, the band that I enjoy with Mike, and uh, I was able to meet him. So I thought it was pretty cool at the time.
0: You played with a lot of talented guys not only here in LA but in Toronto as well but i'm anxious to find out who did you uh, let me use the word fear the most a one-on-one situation someone's coming down on Felix Potvin one on oh who do who do you not want to see with the puck
1: it's 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 really different with goalies i think i think you got guys that sticking up to your mind that 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 give you trouble over the year i think it, Starting up in uh, in Toronto, playing in the Western Conference, I've faced Brendan Shanahan a lot of times, and uh, he seems to find ways to score a goal on me and, and bad angles or whatever. He had a great uh, great release, great wrist shot. So uh, if I had to pick one guy, that, uh, I'd say it's uh, Brendan.
0: And who is the the most talented forward defenseman teammate you ever played
1: with? Put uh, him for Ford. forward.
0: Either forward, defenseman—you you name it. Either doesn't matter.
1: Well, the, the guy that, that for me that, that meant the most for me was, uh, was certainly Doug Gilmore in in uh, Toronto. I think Doug was uh, was uh, when I first got there. Not only was he a, a good leader of the ice, uh, he's uh, he's been really good to me when I when I first got there at 21 years old. But but on the ice, he was just unbelievable. I mean, he was. Uh, I remember that first uh, that first year in '93 when we finished and uh, against LA, I think he must have been uh, under 40 pounds uh, at the end of the series. It was always on the ice, always give it his best, and uh, just uh, just a warrior on the ice. Uh, not only offensively but defensively too. He was uh, he was such a good player.
2: You've got three kids. One of them plays goalie. Uh, how much advice do you give him? How much advice does he want? And uh, did you ever try and talk him out of playing goalie?
1: Well, when he was young, he was playing forward, which was uh, which was good, which was great for me. Uh, when once he be, began to want to be a goalie, uh, you know, there's, there's not much you can do than let him do what he wants to do. Of course, it's a little uh, a little more nerve wracking for me to watch him than than go than and forward. But he's been doing uh, he's he's been doing good for. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's been working hard. I think uh, I, I was able to, to coach him in a couple of years. And uh, uh, I was the head coach. I had a goalie coach at the time just because I didn't want to be in his ear all the time and and uh, let, let him do his thing, having a guy helping him. And uh, once we came home, we, we try not to talk hockey. Of course, once in a while, he always uh, gives advice. But, uh, you know, now he's moved on. He's in the Shkutumi major juniors, so uh, he's having fun.
2: You got into coaching youth hockey for a while. Are you still involved as a coach?
1: Yeah, we uh here in Quebec we got a league uh, midget triple A which is 15 uh, fifteen, sixteen and uh kids that are going to the to the queue after and uh you know, I've been coaching this is my full fourth year head coach right now and I enjoy it a lot. I think it's uh it's a major. that it's uh, really important to um to, to work with those kids and uh, it's fun to see them grow see them uh, having a chance to go to Q and and who knows maybe uh, maybe more but uh, yeah it's been uh, it's been a good challenge but it's been a lot of fun
2: do you find that your experience as an NHL goaltender uh helps uh <laughs> with uh, authority or uh, or are the kids too young to to care about that sort of thing
1: um uh, no I think I think it uh I don't know I think they're young a bit but I think they they always, uh, you know, they always can check. Like, they check the internet, be keep. But I think I think for me, it helped me with all the, um, you know, all the coaches I had in my career, like the good, the bads, And, uh, you know, you just try to work with the kids and uh, making the best you can.
0: When your players get out of line, do you bring out the computer, and bring out the Ron Hextall fight? Is that something you can show them from
1: November tenth, nineteen 1996 I don't, I don't, I don't and say, look at this? I don't, I don't have to do that because here in Quebec, every time there's a goalie fight in the NHL, it pops up again, the <laughs> top 10 goalie fight. So uh, they see more of that than save that I made in my career.
0: <laughs> oh, man, that was legendary. There there was that, and there was the um, – was it Dino Cicerelli with the Red Wings? When you guys got it there was a huge line brawl, and
1: uh, oh yeah, that was uh, that was in '93, but it was uh, it was just like a, it was more a brawl at the end of the game with uh, yeah, you know, I think it was Tim Shovelday was involved. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but but not, no uh, no fight really. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> wasn't it wasn't Ron, it
0: wasn't Ron Hextall, but he did but next best thing. <laughs> when you, whenever a goalie gets involved, it gets excited. That's what I like about it. <laughs> it gets excited. That was the Hextall fight was great. Because Ron came down from the other end of the ice, and then did you want to, You did. Did you have any interest in fighting him at that point, or were you just like, okay, nah, I don't really have a choice at this point?
1: Um, it's uh, funny the way that happened. Like, uh, I remember a Flyer guy that tried to uh, cross-check Larry Murphy. It was the end of the game; we were down four-two, and uh, uh, he just happened after missing him to skate in front of me, so I kind of gave him a little. Uh, were flashing and, uh, and then the, the whole hell broke loose. So uh, then I look up the ice and I saw him coming at uh, what seems to be 200 miles an hour. So I said, okay, <laughs> no, not much time to think, Just no. get ready and don't get hurt.
2: <laughs> who, uh, who was the toughest guy you ever played with? Uh,
1: Wendell Clark, I think, um, uh, you know, maybe because I had the chance to see him more, but he was, uh, he was a rough guy. He was a he was a tough guy, but at the same time, he was a really good hockey player. I think uh, uh, he was a he was a competitor, but uh, I think he I think he was a feared guy around the league. I think oh he, yeah,
2: definitely. He
1: wasn't He wasn't a huge guy, but he was very certainly very strong, and he could hold his own own against uh, anybody.
0: When you guys uh, were in LA, and I think back to the guys who you had on the team. Uh, guys from Montreal, Eric Belanger or the Montreal area, Ian Laperaire, Luc Robitaille, guys like that. Did you guys ever talk trash in French to any of the guys <laughs> who couldn't speak? Like, I don't speak French, and Jesse, I don't know if you speak French, but uh, right. So, I could. If you were talking trash about me, I wouldn't understand it. Do you guys ever like talk trash about the other guys in the room, just giving them a hard time?
1: Uh, not really. I think I think we. we, we... In between us, we talked a lot of French, but I don't think, I don't think when we we're, were in the in the in the dressing right. room or in front of other guy, uh, uh, we just just out of respect would be would be talking French. And uh, I think I've 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 never been like that. I think if I have something to say, I'd say it in English. But uh, uh, of course, when we were together, I mean, it's just uh, it's just uh, it's just normal that that we were all from Montreal, we we're all French guys, so we uh, we, were, we were talking French to each other.
2: We uh, we asked Eric Belanger, and uh, it's a difficult question. I apologize in advance, but as a Kings fan, I have to know: uh, if you guys had beaten the Colorado Avalanche in two thousand and one, do the Los Angeles Kings win the Stanley Cup that year?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'd I'd like to think we would, but because uh, cause, cause I I think I think the two toughest team would have been beaten. Not not to say that the other teams. Uh, uh... not good or you never know what can happen in the playoff either because injury comes and uh, and when i'm saying absolutely i'm just kidding of course because there's so much intangible that can happen in the playoff but 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 we certainly would have had a good uh... a good part done with having beat uh... the, the Detroit red wings and the uh... colorado avalanche that finished uh... on top of, of the of the standing but uh... You know, it would have been fun to, uh, to 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 keep going to see what would have happened. You only spent
0: uh, a short time here in Los Angeles as a King, basically three seasons. Uh, any thoughts on seeing the Kings win the Stanley Cup in 2012, and then again in 2014?
1: Yeah, sure. I think it's uh, it's fun, even though uh, even though there's no actual player that 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 you know that that plays on the team right now. You know, still. Uh, you know, as guys that, that I played with, uh, like uh, Luke is, is still with their organization. It was fun to see him uh, see him win the cup when, when he did, and uh, they, they're still uh, I still have a lot of uh, you know friends that work in the, in, the, in the organization. So it's fun to see uh, a team like the King winning the cup, and and for the fam- and for the fans, I think, like I said, they has been such a, a good supporters that uh, it's fun for them.
2: As I mentioned earlier, you came in halfway through the season, or more than halfway through the season. Um, you played here for a few years. My dad and I had season tickets from the time I was a kid until the time I was into my 30s. and We would always talk about players and whether or not they were quote-unquote real kings. And it would always come down to whether or not they had been drafted and developed by the team or if they had some sort of moment or, or big game that sort of made them feel like, okay, that's a real king. Uh, you, as far as I'm concerned, from a fan's perspective, you were the guy that came in and the fastest established himself as a real king. So I just wanted to say, despite only being here a short period of time, you were one of my favorite kings. And uh, thanks for your time in LA, and thanks for talking to us today.
1: Well, I really appreciate, you guys. And it was, uh, it was truly a it was, it was a lot of fun for me too to be part of the king, part of the king history. And uh, um, thanks for calling, guys. Thanks, Felix. We appreciate it.
0: For half a century, the Los Angeles Kings have been bringing excitement, passion, and Stanley Cup glory to Southern California, delighting our deeply loyal fan base by being a leader in incredible events and employing the greatest players in NHL history. The legacy continues as we celebrate our 50th anniversary, striving for innovation in a constant pursuit of excellence, with a first-class commitment to our fans and partners, and with an unmatched pledge to improving our community. We are all Kings.